Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Let me say a word, and this word will be the title of today's sermon. It is the word blessed. Blessed? Blessed. That's the word of the day. That's the title of this sermon. And I'll ask you a question. I'll start off with a question. It will not be, you don't have to raise your hand. This is just a question for you to really begin to engage in the word of God because Jesus uses this word. And so I want to ask you the question. I got a question for you. Are you blessed? Like if someone asks you, if you were just thinking to yourself before the Lord, would you say you were blessed if there was no like middle ground? Some of you are probably like, well, I'm blessed more than them and I'm not as blessed as them. But if you just had, you know, if you had to answer the question, a yes or no, would you say, and what would you think? Like in your own heart before God, are you blessed? And so the, the sermon today will be one that begins a new series. This is a really special time for a preacher when we look forward to the series that we're going into. We're going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount. And this series, are you ready for this? This will go from today all the way to Easter. So we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the words of Jesus. I hope and pray, like I'll kind of encourage you, that if you can show up as many times as you can on Sundays to listen to these words, you will be filled with what Jesus actually says. It will be a challenge to you, but it will be uplifting. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be blessed. And I hope you will lean in and engage with these words of Jesus. So would you stand with me? We're going to read Matthew 5 verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to challenge you when we get to the word blessed, I just want you to say it. Say it out loud together in unison. Okay, let's practice one time. Blessed? Blessed. blessed. Okay, good. Matthew 5, 1. It kind of sets up the story. Now Jesus saw the crowds he went up to a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One last time, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you, against you because of me. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ, you're in our midst. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, we thank you. We praise you for this word of God. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be open, 
our ears would be open, our minds would be open for what you want to say to us in this scripture. As challenging, maybe as hard as it is, maybe as different as society is to what you are saying here, though we pray that we will see it as you want us to see it, as it truly is, this world and your word to us. Though we pray these things in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and everyone, all God's people who are blessed, shouted, Amen. All right. Amen. You may be seated. I have for you today a three-point sermon, a triune sermon, three points. They're not always three points, but today we've started off this year. Every single Sunday now has been three points, right? So three-point sermon. The first point is this. We'll kind of set the stage for what Jesus is doing. Point number one is Jesus brings a new law. And what I'll say here is that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is in a way, I'm going I'm to argue that he's kind of parallel with Moses and what he's doing here. I'll come back to that idea in just a moment. But he's giving us a new law. He goes up on a mountain. And this mountain is a place that we can point to. It's near the Sea of Galilee. Um, I have a question for you. Has anyone been to Israel? Any, any people? A couple people have been to Israel. I've gotten the pleasure to be in Israel. I was on the boat. We were looking back, and I took this picture. There's, there's better pictures of the Sea of Galilee. There's certainly better pictures of the hillside of Galilee. But this is my picture. This is the moment, and I don't take a lot of pictures. My wife will tell you, like when we're traveling, she's the one who always takes the pictures. My favorite picture is a picture of her taking a picture. It's quite weird. But anyways, uh, I don't take that many pictures when I'm traveling. I try to just like take it in. Maybe some of you are like that. But I did take this picture because this was the moment our tour guide, when we were out on the Sea of Galilee, said, and that right there, that hill right there, the one I'm kind of pointing to, is the hill where Jesus went to the top of and he preached the Sermon on the Mount. And I was just like, wow, it's this overwhelming sense that, that certainly we can all know that, that God is with us, Emmanuel. But it's these moments, for, the, for me, this was the moment when I took a picture of my finger pointing to the mountain where I was like, wow, God really became one of us. And he really was like on that hillside preaching this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. This is this, what the words, the, this is Jesus' greatest teaching and he brings it to humanity. He, this is what God wants us to know. This region of Galilee, this is a very special region in Jesus' ministry. Did you know that along these, uh, the hillsides around the Sea of Galilee is where 85%, 85% of Jesus' ministry, his adult ministry as recorded in the scriptures, 85% of his ministry happened around the Sea of Galilee. It's a big lake for Colorado standards. It's a huge lake. It's like six miles by 12 miles. If you're from Minnesota, like my wife is from Minnesota, uh, they'd probably just call it a normal lake or a little lake. I don't think they would call it a pond. It's a pretty big lake. But around this lake is all the towns, the villages, the agrarian culture, the farming, the fishing, pretty much just normal people doing normal life stuff. And this is where Jesus came. And this is where he chose to do his ministry. And it was in this time when I was in Galilee on my trip to Israel, it was a whirlwind. If, you, if you've been to Israel on a tour, if yours was a tour, uh, at least mine was just a whirlwind. Like we got to get to this place and then do this and we got to hop on this bus. We were literally like running in Jerusalem to like get to the site before it closed. And so like, it was just a whirlwind of like seeing all this stuff. You're like, here's Elijah, this is Jesus, this, uh, Moses was here. This. And it's like, I can't even keep it all straight. It's too much. But when we got to the Sea of Galilee and the region, 
For me, it was my favorite part of the trip, a slowing down and just contemplating like God himself, one of us was here and we have his teaching for us, humanity. And what he does is he, he begins to teach the people, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as recorded in our scriptures, a very long teaching of Jesus. He does the Beatitudes, he gets into moral teaching, and he even gets into the Lord's Prayer in this Sermon on the Mount. And if you look at it, if you study it, which is what we are going to be doing this new sermon series starting today, going until Easter, if you get into these words they're gonna challenge you. Like some of you are, you're like, I've been a Christian a long time. I know Jesus' words. But as soon as you like reread them and really think like, wait, this is what our God wanted humanity to know. And does he really mean what he says? Is he really saying these words? And if you think about it, you're like, this is very different than what's going on in the world and how Jesus says it should be. Like these are challenging words. They, they should be uh, kind of, be a challenge to you. Maybe, um, let me say it this way. Uh, like if, you, if any of you are like working out and, and going to the gyms and uh, just kind of doing the New Year's resolution thing, going to the gym, anybody going to the gym? A couple people, anybody? Nobody going to the gym? Whole church, the whole church? Okay, <laughs> now I know what I need to preach on. <laughs> just kidding. Churches, the, 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 the gyms right now are totally full. Like don't worry, it'll be you know, thin out by February, March. But right now they're totally full of people like getting back into working out. And some of you, like if you get back into working out, especially after not working out or not working out as hard, like what's, what's your body do? It's sore. It's challenged. And, and that's a good thing to be challenged physically. But I, I wonder, just in this silly example right now, if through this sermon series, maybe even today, you're going to feel like a, a metaphorical, a spiritual soreness. Like, oh, this is getting back into the word of God. This is getting right into the heart of what Jesus had to say to humanity, and it's challenging. It might make you a little sore, so that's a little bit of warning. Let's get into it. Point two is this. It's the word I started off with. It's the title of this sermon. It's the word you were saying as we read through the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. The word is blessed. What is that word? What does it mean to be blessed? The Latin of, of blessed that, that we translate into beatitudes, that's where we, if you, in case you ever wondered, like, what are the beatitudes? Where, where is that in the Bible? Well, we just read them. They're the nine blessed statements of Jesus. And in Latin, it's, the, it's this uh, Latin word for uh, beatitudes, beati is the word. And so that's why we, we call them the beatitudes. If you've ever wondered, that's, that's now you know. And Jesus begins his sermon, he begins three chapters of sermon with this word, blessed. It's an interesting word. It's, it's a word, did you know that the, quite a few passages of scripture start with this word, blessed. Jesus is probably borrowing uh, the, the idea of, in the Old Testament, did you know the book of Psalms? If you turn to book of Psalms, book one, Psalm one, chapter one, verse one, sentence one, first word of the first sentence of the book of Psalms is blessed. In that case, it's blessed is the person who does not walk in the way of the wicked or sit in the seat of mockers or stand in the way of sinners, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And then it says, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. And whatever he does, he prospers. He's going to bear fruit in season. So what does it mean to be blessed in Psalm 1? 
Well, the Old Testament idea is that you're walking with God. You're doing what he says. You're in his ways. And that kind of life is a blessed life. Another psalm, many of you might be familiar with the the longest psalm. It's the longest chapter in our whole Bible. It's kind of like the psalm of psalms. Many people have said this is by far one of the best pieces of writing in, in anything, in all that has ever been written. It's an acrostic. It goes through the Hebrew alphabet, uh, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dal. So all of the first stanza starts with the Aleph, Aleph, Aleph. And it's, it's the psalm of all psalms, Psalm 119. Do you know the first word of Psalm 119? Blessed. In that case, it's blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes, and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. And Lord, you've laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. The psalm goes on and on and on, 176 verses, talking about how blessed you will be if you keep the ways of the Lord, the law of the Lord, if you delight in the statutes, the decrees, the commands, anything the Lord has to do in all of his ways, if you are in those ways, you will be blessed. And so Jesus, I don't think it's, uh, it's just kind of obvious to me, like he's beginning a new law and saying his very first word is blessed. And for us, I think blessed is a, it's a word that we use in church. It's a church word, right? Do you know what Christianese is? Christianese is the way we talk, right? Like the Christian stuff we say that if someone was to come in, they're like, what in the world? What's the blood of the lamb? What's the, bl- the blessed of what? The? Like these words, we use a special set of words, right? Christianese. And when, when someone comes in or when we go out, we should help our language to be more uh, understandable to the people around us. And uh, we use words like blessed. I don't think, maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't hear the people outside of church using the word blessed. In fact, it's kind of like a code word for me, at least. Like, I'll tell you a story, a quick story. Uh, we moved into the house we're living at about a year and a half ago. And I kept hearing, oh, there's, you got to meet this guy. He lives on your street and he's a retired Presbyterian pastor. It's like, oh, I got to meet this guy. And I found out like where he lives. And so I started walking by and driving by. And my idea was, oh, when I see him, I'm going to meet him, introduce myself because I really want to meet this guy. He's on my street. It's, it's neighborly to be neighborly. And you, you should be neighborly. You should be kind to your neighbors, right? And so I'm waiting to meet this guy. Weeks uh, turn into months and I'm still try- trying to meet this guy. And then one day a guy walks by as I'm loading up my vehicle. I'm going up to New Life North and putting things in. And he walks by this guy, and he looks like he's kind of just out for exercise to say hi. He says hi to me. It's like, oh, it's nice weather. We chit chat. And I say, have a nice day. And he says, have a blessed day. And I'm like, wait, are you the pastor who's retired up the road that's a Presbyterian pastor? He's like, yes. How did you know? And I was like, that's oh, just a hunch. But really, it's that word, like a blessed, like using the word blessed is a church word, which is interesting because Jesus doesn't really use, he doesn't use the Greek church word. He could have. Can I get a little nerdy? Can we get into the Greek for just a second? I'm not going to put the Greek up here. It'll be kind of just a talking about the Greek, but it is a little nerdy. So I will warn you with a nerd alert. If you know what to do, nerd alert. <laughs> okay. Uh, I always feel so weird about like the people that are visiting our church. It's like, man, this is a weird place. 
Yes, it is. It's, it is weird. Uh, so the Greek word, we're getting a little nerdy here. It's something fun I like to do. I really love uh, study and, and teaching and getting uh, in depth into the word of God. Uh, makarios is the word that Jesus uses. That's a Greek word. We translate it as blessed. Uh, but it was an everyday word that the people w- would, would use outside of religious talk. There was another word that Jesus could have used. It's uh, eulego, which was the church religious word. Jesus could have used that word, like a churchy, religious, blessed by God word. But instead, he used the informal, everyday language for like I, I, maybe a better way to translate it in our world. Like if we were talking to someone not in the church world, we might say happy or rich or fortunate or abundant. You have abundance or favored or even happy or charmed or prosperous. Or maybe my favorite would be the word lucky. Like we, I think that our culture uses this word Lucky, quite a bit, to mean like happy, to, to really mean like the non-religious version of blessed. And, and if I'm stretching the English to the Hebrew, or excuse me, the English to the Greek translation here, it's to say that Jesus used a common everyday word. And I think people would use that word. Someone wins the lottery. What do you say about that person? Oh, they're, they're lucky. Someone makes it big on like Bitcoin. You're like, oh, wow, you, you played that right. Good job. You're lucky. Someone uh, gets into a car accident. Their car's totaled, crushed, but they walk away without a bruise, without a scratch. You would say, wow, you are lucky. That's what our world says. Someone who's rich or famous, you'd say, wow, they have a, they're lucky. They have a lucky life about them. And I think that's really Maybe a better way to translate what Jesus is using, this word makarios, is maybe the the word lucky. Like that scene in Napoleon Dynamite. Some of you are rolling your eyes because Napoleon Dynamite is a movie that most people say, oh, this movie's so stupid. But that's exactly why I like the movie. It's like the whole, yeah, the whole thing's, it's, it's so Napoleon Dynamite, that's the character's name. His buddy Pedro gets a bike. You know the scene? It's a sledgehammer. It's a sledgehammer. It's got pegs. It's got shocks. And then what does Napoleon say? Yeah, he doesn't say lucky. He says, lucky. Like, that's the way he says it. <laughs> like, that's what we would say. Someone, like, gets something and is happy and is fortunate. The, the word lucky is used. Can I tell you a story about this word lucky and being used as, as a Greek translation? Want a story? Okay. Uh, the, the pastor and translator of the Message Bible, his name is Eugene Peterson. I'm a big fan of Eugene Peterson because he's a pastor, two pastors, and I really like his pastoral books, uh, but I also really like, and I remember when it came out, I thought it was really cool, this message translation of the Bible. And it was like, people were really, like I remember some churches were really upset about it because it was a paraphrase. And people are like, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't read it as the word of God because it's a paraphrase. It's not a word for word. It's, it's not, you know, it's the language of the common American language is what Eugene Peterson tried to do. He said, how would people in the world who weren't churchy say what is being said here in scripture? He tried to really present scripture in a way that the, the, the average modern American would understand. And as this message went out, and as some of the friends of mine who weren't Christians were reading it and, and, and contemplating it, and I was just like, wow, this is a great translation. It's a translation that non-Christians can really get into. It's, it's being said, saying things in a way that the world would say them. And so I'm a fan of the translation. And Eugene Peterson, he tells 
tells the story of a woman coming to his church because he was, he was not a scholar like up in an ivory library just you know, taking notes on the Hebrew and the Greek. He was a pastor, a pastor to the people of a church like this size and he would get to know his congregants. And he said a lady kept coming to church. Like she was brand new to church. Somebody invited her and she started coming. She was in her 40s and had never, like not even as a kid, never went to church, ever been in a church. She comes in and she begins to listen to Eugene Peterson's messages, and they were all brand new to her. And so Eugene met this woman. He's like, wow, I've never heard about this King David, or even like I've never heard a, a sermon before. This is so cool. I am so lucky to be here. I'm so lucky to be a part of this church. I'm so lucky to, to be in this community. And Eugene Peterson heard that and was like, that's the word. Like that's what people would say. They don't, church people use the word blessed. Everybody else uses the word lucky. So Eugene Peterson, here's the story. He translated the Beatitudes, those blessed statements, as lucky. Lucky are the poor in spirit. Lucky are those who mourn. And the editors saw this and were like, ah, Eugene, we... We're already taking a big chance. Like churches don't like the word lucky. Like I went to a church like in uh, like high school where like, hey, we don't do potlucks because we don't believe in luck. That's like for gambling and luck is just like chance. We're going to call it a pot blessing. Anybody like go to a church like that? Like that's a real thing. Like church, we don't like the word luck. So when Eugene Peterson turned this in, his translation of blessed, the editors were like, no way. We cannot print this. We can't do it. It's too challenging to people. But that, that was kind of the point. So it, it ends up, if you have a message translation, he uses the word happy, which is maybe kind of an in-between blessed and lucky. He uses this word. But think about that. I think it's a really good thought to bring in to this conversation that what it means to be blessed is to be fortunate, to be favored, to be happy, and maybe even to be like those who are considered lucky. And if you think about that, then this next point, this final point here in this sermon will really mess with you. Because the point is this, it's the first statement of the Sermon on the Mound. It's the first statement of the Beatitudes that that blessed are the poor in spirit. Like fortunate are the poor in spirit? Happy are the poor in spirit? Like lucky? Like really lucky are those who are poor in spirit? You contrast this with with Jesus giving the new law and Moses giving the old law. And here's this parallel. Uh, Moses comes out of Egypt. Jesus as a child comes out of Egypt. Moses goes through the waters of the Red Sea. Jesus goes through the waters of baptism. Moses then climbs a mountain. Jesus climbs a mountain. Moses has a word for the people. Jesus has a word for the people. And Jesus flips it all on its head and said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Whereas the the law, if you read the Old Testament, the Psalms that I mentioned that talk about blessings, it was all about like, if you follow the ways of the Lord, you will be blessed. And of course, that is still true. Jesus fulfills that and then continues with these blessed statements. The first of which are, blessed are the poor in spirit. How can that be? Well, the, the rest of the phrase is because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it goes on to say, you know, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are hungry, for they will be filled. That the kingdom of God is at work, is at hand, and will be fulfilled where every wrong 
will be made right. And the grace of God is upon us now. And there's a divine, challenging mystery to understanding and really believing that the poor are the ones who are blessed, that the poor in spirit are the ones who are actually like somehow the meek and the poor and the hungry are actually somehow closer to God than those who the world say are blessed and famous and fortunate. I read uh, somebody's autobiography uh, a couple weeks ago. Maybe you read it too. Uh, I I was expecting like a a fun, friendly, just like an uplifting, uh, silly book because this person was in the sitcom Friends. You remember Friends? Like I remember watching it as a high schooler. I wasn't supposed to as a Christian, but I I kind of did. And... uh, there was, there was this character, Chandler Bing. He was played by Matthew Perry. And Matthew Perry's autobiography just came out. And I was like, oh, I'll get that and listen to that. I listened to a lot of books. And I was expecting just kind of like his story about friends. And I knew he had some addictions and rehab. But, but really, that became the subject for the entire book. Here's this person, the Friends actor. He's the most famous. I mean, Friends, when it was on, like it, it wasn't just United States famous. It was like world, everyone was watching Friends. He was getting a million bucks, like 1990s million bucks for every single 20-minute episode of Friends that he filmed. I mean, in the words of Chandler Bing, could he be any more famous? Could he be any more rich? Here's this person that has it, has it all together. Like, wow, everyone would say, oh, he's lucky. He's blessed. But you know what he writes about in his own autobiography? He writes about how he was tormented, how he was depressed, full of anxiety. No one loved him. He was scared. He was, he was addicted to all these substances to cover what was, he was really going through. So he filmed so many of the Friends episodes with a water bottle on set. He would kind of put it away, and he would come back and film some things, go back to that water bottle. The water bottle did not have water in it, had clear alcohol. He was, he was drunk for half of, you know, more than all the filming of Friends. He was on, he says at one point he was on 50 pills, like narcotics, every single day. Like here's someone like trying to mask all this pain. He goes on to say, I would have traded anything, anything to, to be somebody else, to be not famous, to be not Matthew Perry, this actor Chandler Bing in this, in this Friends episode. Like, like, wow, like that's, it really, it does turn it on its head. Like here's rich in fame and here, like how much suffering in his own mind and how he, he felt hated and, and his, all these relationships fell apart and how depressed and lonely and his low, he talks about the low of the lows in his life where he decided to come clean and go through the detox of alcohol and all these pills. He starts this detox process with his, his dad and his doctor around. And he ends up hiding some pills so that he could go back to those and take those later. And then he runs out of those. So then really he's at the low, low of his life. And he goes on to talk about how he found God. He doesn't go into specifics about the God of the Bible. He's very general about his belief in God. But he says, it was then and there that I decided God is real and that only he can save me. And that he is the one that, that, is, that is keeping me alive and that I need to live for him. It was like this moment of, of clarity in his life. And he didn't use the phrase poor in spirit, but I will. Like here's, here's this low, low of this person's life. He's poor in spirit and he ends up like seeing that it's only through God and God's help 
that he can live and go on and have a future. Blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom. We're gonna through this series next week talk about the other ones. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are hungry, they will be filled. Blessed are those who are persecuted because theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus says some statements that are just totally different than what the world would say or think, right? He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And many people, oh yeah, yeah, around Christmas time, oh yeah, yeah, we all know. But then it's like, well, well, then someone like gets a lot of money or gets a raise or gets a uh, wins something big or gets a new thing. And they're like, oh, well, now they're really blessed. Well, no, Jesus would say, actually, you're more blessed when you give than, than receiving. And I think that's why we as a church, we, we talk about giving of tithes and offerings because it's a part of discipleship. It's about really, truly being blessed, giving of what we have to the church, to the kingdom of God, to the work around us. The word spoken over 2023 for the congregations of New Life Church, Pastor Brady, who's over the congregations, he said the word for 2023 is gratitude and generosity. I think in 2023, I think, I know there's no way to predict this, predict this for sure, but I think many of us would say we're, we're probably headed or in already a recession and the economy is slowing down and so on and so forth. And the word for us, so kind of, a prophetic word for us as a church, a congregation, eight congregations of New Life Church is gratitude and generosity. We're gonna give. We're gonna be a blessing. We're gonna allow the kingdom to come into us so that the kingdom can come through us. I'll say that again. We're gonna allow the kingdom to come to us. These words of what Jesus really is saying so that the kingdom can come out of us, come through us. So let me go back to the question. (coughs) I asked you today. So I said, the title of the sermon is blessed. And then I said, I have a question for you. Do you remember the question? Are you blessed? That was the question. And some of you, I didn't ask you to raise your hand. I won't now either. This is just for you and the Lord. Some of you probably thought, yeah, I know I should be. I know that's the correct answer. But many of you might feel like, no, I'm not really blessed. And on purpose today, I read scripture, I prayed, and then I said, all the blessed people of the Lord say, and you all said, amen. And I did that on purpose, thinking like, in that moment, some of you maybe looked around, like, oh, maybe those other people, they said it, they're blessed. Or maybe you just said it, because everyone else is saying it, blah, yeah, amen. But some of you maybe just look down. Like, I don't know if I'm blessed. I know that the church answer is that, yeah, we're all blessed. That's the, that's the correct answer. But I wonder if you don't feel it, if you don't know it. Like, I'm, I'm looking out, and, and I see some of you. And I, you know, a counselor is supposed to, like, um, well, the people they counsel, they're supposed to be like, oh, I'm, you know, supposed to distance myself. As a pastor, uh, I don't get to do that. And I'm, I'm looking around, and I know some of your stories. I know... There's, there's battles with cancer. I know there's marriages struggling. I know there's, there's gosh, there's child, you know, laws, thing, trying to get custody. And there's, there's situations in this room that are hard. And you might not feel blessed. But can I remind you of what Jesus has to say? He begins this whole sermon, all these statements by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And as a pastor, like, I'm wondering, like, Could that mean that his grace is sufficient? That the kingdom of God is coming to those who are poor in spirit and it's those who are first 
going to recognize that the Lord is at work, that the kingdom is coming. It's coming to us so that maybe it could come through us. So I want to invite you to, to stand right now. I'm going to pray. We're going to go to the table of the Lord. I'll give you some instructions about that. The band can come forward. They're going to lead us in one more song. The song is Abide. It's, it's the, the chorus is I Depend on You. And I want us to now, if, if you're um, new to New Life Manitou, we, we partake in communion together. And in your baskets are uh, elements, the, the cup and the bread there. And um, we celebrate an open table where anyone who believes in Jesus, you can, you can come to this table and you can receive with us. Um, I need an element. Would you? Thank you, KJ. Um, I invite you to, to get these out and to open it up. There's a piece of bread in the top and I want you to consider that, that Jesus says he's the bread of life. And he invites us to receive him and to, to see this whole world differently than how the world sees itself. To see this world, to see yourself as Jesus sees you. To receive from him the bread of life. And then we begin to understand, well, was that interesting that he says that blessed are those who are hungry for they will be filled. And we think about this moment where we depend upon God. We depend upon his life inside of us. So would you take the bread? Let's receive it together as a congregation. Jesus also took a cup. In his ministry, he held it and he said, this is a a cup of a new covenant. Think about how new this new law is. The, the new way in which the poor in spirit are blessed. The, the hungry are blessed. Those who are being persecuted, they are the blessed ones. So we receive this cup, a cup of a new kingdom, a cup of a new covenant where all those who are poor in spirit and seeking God will be comforted will be found because of the work he did for us. So let's receive this cup together. And now, Lord, we, we confess that we are dependent upon you. Every one of us, we're dependent upon you for grace, your mercy, what it means to be blessed, Lord, we depend on you. And right now we sing this song in reflection that you are the true holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.